0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 5, Episode 1. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. It's a new year. Welcome. Happy New Year, everybody. And welcome to a brand new season of the Concealed Concealed Carry Podcast. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by co-host and producer, amazingness,
1: (laughs) Matthew Marister. Hey, man, I'm just happy to be here 2022 with you and uh, first first show of the year. And uh, we've got a lot of people, you know, on Facebook watching and stuff. So it's good to be back for the the first show of the year.
0: Absolutely, man. So we hope everyone's doing well, wherever you are. Can I just go on a brief rant, though? Uh
1: I can't stop you. So (laughs) so
0: the rant is, and and I hope nobody takes anything I say too seriously or takes offense by this, but the rant is, I'm tired of what I'm going to call now a cliched Happy New Year's post, if you will, social media post, where it's like, 2021 was a rough year. Hopefully, you know we look forward to 2022. It's gonna be, you know, a better year. You know what? We're all in the same boat, all right. And I just don't like that attitude. 2021 sure was a rough year. Hopefully, 2022 is gonna be great. You know what? 2021 had some awesomeness to it. Had some rough things. Had some difficult parts. But it was an awesome year. So that's my attitude, and 2022 is going to be even greater. Just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> you're not you're not going to catch me being all like, "Oh, it's such a rough year." Anyway, this episode sponsored, brought to you by CCW Safe. I am a CCW Safe Ultimate member, and I'm proud to be one. Guys, I would encourage you to if. Not all, If not the ultimate plan, at least take a look at their protector and defender plans for the best coverage in the industry, I believe. And it's because some of the non-tangible aspects of their coverage, which we've talked about many times before. I'm not going to go into all of that today, but please consider joining CCWSAFE today. Go to CCWSAFE.com to check out their lineup of product offerings and use the coupon code CCPODCAST to knock off 10% off of any of their memberships. All right. Guardian Nation members save 20%. So check that out. All right. For you Guardian Nation members out there, it's one good reason to consider Guardian Nation membership. So the other sponsor of today's episode is what I would consider a new sponsor. And it's kind of an interesting thing to to talk about because it's sort of a bit of a self-sponsorship, if you will. But I'm happy to announce, uh, we're not going to make a huge big deal out of it. But concealedcarry.com and Barrel Block have joined forces, so we are now one and the same uh, as of the first of the year. So, uh, Matthew, you've got uh, Barrel Block handy, I think you mentioned. I do, so I do. I'm relying on you to to hold one of those up, folks. If right you know, here, I'm familiar with the Barrel Block. This is the way I think you should handle your firearm in dry fire practice. You make it safe, completely safe. Now that doesn't mean we excuse poor handgun handling or firearm handling, but inserting the barrel block into the chamber of your firearm that's available in 380, nine millimeter, uh, uh, 40 caliber 45 and 357 SIG. If I'm not mistaken, uh, you insert it into the chamber of your gun. You can't insert anything else into that chamber. Okay, it is, it is custom-sized for each of those different calibers. It fits completely and fully into the chamber. And one of the great things about the product is that the other end of the product, of the barrel block, extends out beyond the barrel. So you have a visual indicator, you or anyone else that is observing you doing dry fire practice. Uh, you can trim it You know to an acceptable length. So when they come, they're, they're like 7 or 8 inches long. Uh, I typically will trim mine down to... You know, has pre-segmented parts. Uh, I, I'll go to the next closest segmented part just beyond the barrel of my gun. And it usually sticks out like a quarter inch or maybe a half inch at the most. And it's a great visual confirmation and indicator to yourself and to others that you are practicing dry fire safely. And again, you cannot get anything else into that gun. And then combine it with the mag block, which you put into your magazines, which again is a great visual safety indicator that, Hey, I'm working with magazines in my gun and I can see very clearly with a, the bright colored object. Now the nine millimeters orange and you know, three eighties. Uh, I'm still getting familiar with all the, all the pro- barrel block, barrel block product lines. Um, but I know we had some of them are white. Some of them are blue. Some of them are yellow. I think some of them are green. So, Either way, they're all pretty brightly colored. You can look at your magazines, be like, yep, no load of mags, mag blocks installed that allows you to manipulate the slide and not have the slide locked back on an, empty, on an empty magazine. So mag blocks in the mags, barrel block in the barrel, boom, safe dry fire practice and get your dry fire on. All right, this is the way I do dry fire practice in my spare time at home or at the office, safely is with the barrel block. Go to go to oh geez. I think I just inhaled something. Go to barrelblock.com. Uh I think just about any way you spell it probably works. I think I think we own all those domains now, but the specific one is B-A-R-R-E-L B-L-O-K b-l-o-k.com Barrelblock with a K dot com. And we're excited to be associated with a fantastic brand like Barrelblock and to be selling those things like hotcakes. <laughs> Check them out. All right, guys. Uh, let's get on to today's episode topic, which, as you know, is the Justified Saves episode. We do this on the first Wednesday of each month. And so here we have a bunch of great stories to share with you today. Quite often, it, it, it's, I guess, tradition, if you will, or it's just the way we do things here. We'll quite often start with a lessons learned sort of approach, all right, before we get to the this went well part, okay? So first up, a tragic story. I remember sharing this this story with our team, which is why we have it here uh, for you today. This one from the Columbus Dispatch. So this is uh, close to home for, for you, Matthew, right? Yeah,
1: it's about half an hour away from me where I live. I mean
0: that that's your neck. That's the nearest major metro area to to where you live. Right, right. So what happened here is another tragedy. We've covered similar stories to this in the past on the podcast. I I lose track, but I seem to recall at least three others, probably more. Um, but specifically I can I can remember one that happened here in Colorado where where a husband shot his wife and, like hit her in the stomach. I remember another story where a husband shot his wife and nicked her ear. Mm-hmm. I remember a story where um a father shot his daughter in the home. She was playing hooky from school, came home, didn't expect him to be there. He obviously didn't expect her to be there. It was, I guess, dark in the home. She was wearing a hoodie or something. Was, you know, he mistook her for an intruder and shot her. So that's three. Oh, I remember a fourth one, which was uh, where, and, and not necessarily like a, a family member, but but still kind of similar, where a father shot the daughter's boyfriend in the home thinking that he had an intruder and the boyfriend had snuck into the home. Okay. I give you those examples because this is far from being something that rarely happens. All right. We, we know of at least four examples just in 2021 and there's probably more, more that we just don't know about. Uh, but in the year 2021, Jacob just, you know, was, we were chatting about this uh, yesterday or today We have uh, four stories from the year 2021 where this very sort of thing happened. What it is, is a homeowner or an occupant of a home shooting a fellow occupant of the home and quite often a family member. And this one was very tragic. A 16-year-old girl was mistaken for an intruder. Happened around 4.30 a.m. on uh, December 28th or 29th. I think it was December 29th. Again, this was in the Columbus, Ohio area. Um, So what happened was the security system of the home was activated. All right. So like many of you that have, you know, I have a security system. Uh, Like many of you, you know, that starts going off and you get the, usually you get the initial delay, uh, you know, some beeping or, uh, you know, whatever, you know, and you got 30 seconds or I think it's, yeah, I think it's typically about 30 seconds to deactivate, right? So security system goes off. Father gets up, grabs his gun because you know, hey, it's 4:30 a.m. Security system going off. Uh, maybe, maybe I didn't get up very quickly, so I missed the delay. Now the alarm's actually, you know, blaring and going off. Right, that sort of thing. All you know, what what's what's going to be on your mind, Matthew? I mean, I'm probably thinking somebody is trying to make intrusion into my sure. home. Sure. You know, I mean, my kids. My, my older kids, they, they know how to deactivate the security system. Uh, you know, that's that's important, I think. Um, you know, and then they're typically pretty smart about it. So, you know, like, hey, if the alarm's going off, I got a problem. So, guns in hand, thinking you got a problem, and you go out. Now, here's the other thing. We've talked about this so many times. You go looking, right? And it happened in the garage. Where the father found a 16 year old daughter, but didn't realize it was her. And he shot her a horrendous 911 call where that the mother made eight minutes long can be heard on the call, uh, them, you know, the father and the mother you know, the father talking to his daughter, uh, you know, kind of asking her, asking her, well, what? I can, I can totally see this playing out. What were you doing? What were you thinking? You know? Right. And uh, they were trying to keep their daughter awake. Unfortunately, uh, help arrived, and about an hour later at the hospital, the daughter was pronounced deceased. Okay, this is a young young person with a, hopefully a, I'd like to think a bright future. Looked like it happened in a pretty decent neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the news article here at the Columbus Dispatch dispatch.com, com reports that you know checking social media looked like she had a bright future. She was talking about college, talking about plans, talking about jobs. Right anything else that any other or all the stuff that any other 16 year old will be talking about. And now she's gone, gone because her father didn't identify his target before he shot. Okay. Gone because there was obviously some, some sort of failure in communication here in this household. My kids know, my kids know that you don't be go, you don't be sneaking in and out. I mean, be, it's important that I I know I understand the concept of target identification. Okay, I'm not that worried about that, but the kids know you don't be sneaking in or out of this house because that you know because it could lead to something happening. It yeah. could lead to problems, right? Uh, so, and you don't be sneaking friends in or out. Not a good idea. Okay. Again, target identification. I'm going to have a light. I'm going to be checking things. I'm going to do my my absolute best to identify who's in my home before a gun is up on them and the triggers being pressed. Yeah. All right. But some, but things can happen. All right. I know the one instance in Colorado here where the husband shot his wife, he encountered her on the stairs, like bumped into her, uh, which surprised him. And I, you know, I can see things happening in a very quick, you know, sudden manner. You're like, holy smoke, somebody's here. I wasn't expect, you know, that I wasn't expecting. And before you know it, a shot's been fired, right? You're startled, startled uh, reflex. Uh, even if you got a good high and register finger off the trigger, you know, for whatever reason, you end up still snatching the trigger because you're startled enough or whatever, right? I don't want to get anywhere close to that sort of thing happening. So family communication is key having a good solid plan for the family is key that everybody's on the same page i know the kids do do dumb stuff all right it's all about having redundancies in place redundancy in terms of our home security right redundancies in terms of the plans that we execute as a family and, and redundancies that you know ensure that okay if this happens well we still have this to fall back on and the most important thing is if we think we have an i mean here, that's the other thing, right? Like the most basic plan is you think you have an intruder in the home. It's usually not a bad idea. I'm not, you know, every situation could be different, but consider following the, the doctrine, if you will, that we've talked about on this podcast, going back to the early days of the podcast of isolate the family, defend the room. All right. Which means don't go searching tr- for trouble, even if it's inside your home. All right. Take up a position of advantage, a position of relative safety and cover. You've got your tools of defense, you know, your home, you know, and, and hopefully and and you do your best to locate your family members. And so you account for them and know where they are, know that they're safe. And then you're able to defend where your family is located in the home. Now it's tricky when you got things spread out, right? Sure. Compared to me where I've got the whole family, basically all congregated in one part of the house. So you got to do what you got to do for that's right for you and your circumstances. I'm just talking about it, talking about it again. We've talked about many of these things before because it's so, like, it breaks my heart to read this news story. I came across this and I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me.
1: Yeah. yeah, It's it's terrible. And uh, these stories and the ones where, you know, a child gets a hold of a firearm that's unse- insecure, uh, unsecure and ends up injuring themselves or somebody else. The, these are, to me, like... It, because all these people, you know, th- th- this family had a firearm for protection to protect the home. And and that's a noble thing. And he wants to, you know, he has a security system or the family has a security system. So, so they 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 have a security mindset, right? Like they're saying, okay, we want to take, you know, I want to take care of my family and make sure they're safe. And um, I'm assuming, you know, maybe, maybe the guy has, uh, has some training or, or, or whatnot, but that same, you know, a system that's in place that is designed to protect the family ends up taking the life of somebody. And, you know, I, some people will say, well, this is, you know, this will give anti-gunners ammunition. I sure there's that aspect, but I'm not even so much concerned because, you know, there's always going to be that. But my concern is that like, We have to learn from these situations and not just discount them and say, well, that'll never happen to me. Like you see a negligent disorder. Well, that'll never happen to me. I'm not saying that you should expect this to happen, but I don't ever, I don't think any of these people go into the day saying, yeah, I I can see myself doing that. Right. Like I don't, I don't think anybody, you know, this guy never thought that he would be that person. And so we can't just discount it. We have to start thinking about these things. And you hit all the wickets, you know, communication, how we respond to these events in the middle of the night, most most of the time, right? And um, going out and searching our homes out into the garage, um, you know, get to your family, make sure they're safe, um, you know, call out, make sure that you're giving commands. Hey, you know, I have a firearm. You're not welcome in my house. The police are on their way. You know, I, I would I would have to believe that some of these, at least some, you know, some instances, maybe there's just it, the situation just came a certain way and there was nothing really, you know, anybody could have predicted. But in most of the situations, you would you could go back and say, had they communicated, had they just taken a moment to, you know, um, um, do some of these best practice type things, perhaps it would have you know, somebody would have not lost their life or been injured. So um, it's a tragic story. And, you know, I always say this with the, with the what not to do s- stories and these stories is we have them in here in the justified saves, because, you know, less we just paint this picture as, you know, everybody who has a firearm always responds correctly and nothing can ever go wrong. We have to, we have to balance it and say, look, yeah, it, it firearm saves the day and you're going to see a lot of we cover a lot of those stories, but right. We have to also um, understand the the consequences if we don't act responsibly or perform um, appropriately. Yep.
0: Appreciate your thoughts as well. Let's move along here. Uh, we got another tragic story. Uh, this one out of, um, Oh shoot. I forgot already where this one, uh, St. Paul, St. Paul, Minnesota. Matthew, will you cover this one for us? This one on usacarry.com title is concealed carrier shot with his own gun after trying Wait. to stop a shoplifter.
1: Yeah, this is this is also sad. So um, a 49-year-old man, his name is Trinis Daryl Edwards. Um, uh, he was charged with murder. Uh, incident happens in a um, liquor store in St. Paul. So Kenneth Davis, who's the victim, he's a customer. He goes in uh, this... Terence Edwards is in there as well um, they both exit the the uh the store actually um, I'm sorry Davis confronts uh Edwards because he sees him steal a bottle of alcohol uh confronts him and basically Edwards says okay puts the puts the uh, bottle back they exit the store on security you see them both exit and then they Get into some sort of physical confrontation argument, turns into a physical confrontation. Um, the victim, uh, Davis, um, goes to draw his firearm as they're struggling or fighting. Um, during that struggle, uh, he can't get the firearm out, it drops onto the ground. Uh, there's a moment where, you know, they're kind of Trying to posture to try to get the gun. Uh, turns out Edwards, the the, the bad guy in the story, gets the firearm first, picks it up, and ends up shooting uh, Davis twice. Uh, Davis ends up dying. Um, and it's a sad story, um, you know, in the, in the notes or in the article, it goes into a little bit of background on the criminal, uh, who ended the murderer, who end up, uh, killing, uh, this, this victim, uh, his criminal history and, and, um, not a good guy, not a, not a good guy. Um, but you know, we go back to, you know, it was a noble thing that, you know, Hey, put the, put the bottle back, but, um, and I'm not discouraging anybody, you know, if you, you, know, you feel a need to step in and intervene for the good of, you know, like, Hey, law and order type thing. Um, but know where to draw that line and know when maybe you shouldn't, you know, and, and when to say, all right, man, you want to steal it. Great. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get involved in this. Um, because unfortunately this man lost his life over, you know, what it says, like a $12 bottle of alcohol. So it's unfortunate. It's sad. Um, but it's the reality of getting involved in any, you know, any confrontation, your, your risk of, you know, being injured or dead or shooting somebody or ending up in jail or anything goes from zero to something higher than zero. And, um, I want to keep it as low as zero as I can. So, um,
0: some things that stood out to me from this incident I mean, you covered all the like big stuff, right? You know, like why is a customer getting involved in a shop, shop, shoplifting incident in the first place? Uh, why did he continue to engage with this man, including after they exited the store? Uh, you know, there's lots of like, Hey, you know, this dude's dead because he basically asked for it. I know that doesn't sound very compassionate. Um, and I know that some people be like, well, why are we, you know, Monday quarterbacking this, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, but the reason we share these stories is as learning opportunities, right? And, and to get us to start thinking and be like, oh, if I was in that same situation, I mean, imagine this. Imagine that you frequent a store that your friend owns, right? Don't you have some semblance of ownership or responsibility to, to your friend? If you see some somebody stealing from your friend's store, like, don't you kind of feel that? Like, what are you doing, man? Like, like, yes, it's not your store. Yes, you're not employed by that store. But like, you care about these people. You care about this this business or whatever, right? Like, you have to keep your emotions in check and think rationally and be like, hmm, uh, it's not worth getting involved over a twelve dollar bottle of vodka. Uh, It's not even worth your friend that owns the store to get involved over preventing the theft of a $12 bottle of liquor. It's not. Okay. I mean, it's certainly his right within the bounds of the law to try to prevent that theft, but it's probably not the best use of resources. Okay. Anyway, so that's why we talk about these things, but this guy basically asked for it. He involved himself in something that was none, had nothing to do with him. He took it upon himself to be the protector of this business. All right, this, this is sort of why this is why the whole like uh, concept of the name of the so-called sheepdog has has in in many circles fallen into you know it just has become kind of a eh, like a sort of a icky taste in the mouth sort of thing. Because people have have taken this attitude of 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 the sheepdog concept of well I'm not just you know I'm I'm a protector I'm a protector of myself I'm a protector of my family but I'm a protector of my community too and it's my duty to be so you know because a sheepdog's got to protect the sheep from the wolves right you know I I I grew up relating to the concept of the sheepdog. Okay, it was something, you know, from, from a biblical sense, even really just, just resonated with me, you know, Not, and I know that we don't have sheepdogs in, in the Bible necessarily, but, you know, just like this idea of, of, of we're part of a community and that community is like a, a, a flock of sheep, right? And there are, in fact, wolves that want to uh, to attack the weak. And to, and to take them away, right? So I, that resonated with me. but here's the thing. Uh, involving ourselves in problems that are other people's problems this can be the result. all right? So you know what if you're willing to, if you're willing to, to pay that price, then by all means, do your thing. Now a couple other things that stood out to me. And Hopper, you're exactly right. Uh, there's a difference between defending life and defending property. Absolutely, right. I mean, twelve dollar bottle of vodka, or even if it's a twenty, even if it's a hundred dollar bottle of liquor, still not worth it. I'm sorry to say. I know there's people that will disagree with me, but uh, I tell you what, you know, let's get into a fight, and uh, you know, throw let's throw down a hundred dollar bill. Okay. And uh, if you could beat me, you get the $100. Let's just, yeah, you're you willing to roll the dice? Like, come on, let's go, right? So um, the other thing that jumped out at me, Matthew, was the gun coming loose, falling to the ground. He was drawing it from the pocket. So it tells me it probably got snagged up, caught up, something in the pocket as he was trying to get it out. It jarred it loose from his grip, and so it clattered to the ground. A uh, couple of thoughts there, all right? pocket carry is one of the lesser ideal methods of carry for this. This is one reason why pocket carry is less ideal than maybe some other options. Now I'm not saying it's totally ruled out as an option. It's certainly an option. It has a place. All right. But this is one of the risks of pocket carry, whether it's a jacket pocket, a coat pocket, or your pants pocket there's always that chance that the draw gets fouled up in some way and you either get a really compromised grip on the gun or you end up snagging the gun up and not getting the gun out of the pocket at all. Or in this case, having it ripped out of your hand and it clattering to the ground. If you carry in your pocket, do you practice drawing from the pocket? How many times have you practiced that? Have you practiced it at full speed safely? Of course, hopefully using a barrel block. Um, some things to consider there, some other things, the, uh, the whole idea, like there was this, this exchange of words and, 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 uh, the, the perpetrator here said, well, I've got a gun. And he started digging around for something in his backpack. All right. And so our good Samaritan here brandished, he, he indicated that he had a gun. He showed his gun. Okay. Then obviously he put it back in or, or whatever. And he took his hand off of it. All right. Uh, As soon as that dude said he had a gun and he started rummaging around through his backpack, that would be the time to have the hand on the gun. I'm not saying it would have been appropriate just yet to have the gun drawn and on this guy or pointed towards him in his direction, Uh, but you could have your hand on that gun in your pocket. There's actually not really any faster draw than that. Assuming that you're well-practiced and you don't get snagged in the draw, there's almost no faster draw than having your hand start on the grip of the gun, including in a pocket. So hand-on-gun in pocket, start backing away. Create space. This dude said he had a gun. He starts running around in his bag. Now, you don't know for sure he has a gun. He might just be talking big, you know, big talk. I got a gun. Okay, that's why it'd be wise to be prepared for the worst, but you start executing the plan of let's get out of here. Just some things to think about there. I think there were some major tactical errors. And then this turned out into a knock knockout, drag out fight. And uh, it didn't it obviously didn't go the way of our concealed carriers' uh, favor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so firearm retention is important. Hand-to-hand skills is important. Wise implementation of tactics is important. Making good decisions is important. Avoiding conflict in the first place is important. I love this. I mean, I don't love this story because obviously it's a terrible story. But in terms of lessons to learn, it's a great opportunity. There's so many things to pull out of this one story. Um, Now, we're probably spending too much time because we got a bunch of more stories to cover still. So, um But that was; those were a couple of doozies. They're and they're they they're heavy. They are heavy. They are deep. And I hope you you'll retain those lessons. Let's go now to the Chicago Tribune. State Senator Kimberly Lightford's husband exchanged gunfire with at least one suspect during carjacking earlier this week. This happened just before Christmas. So you have a state senator, State Senator Lightford. She was in her in her vehicle with her husband, uh, driving through suburban Broadview part of town. They were actually, uh, um, they were, uh, carjacked. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember exactly how it started off. Uh, they were dropping off a friend at Mm -hmm. some point they were approached and they were ordered out of their vehicle, which they did. So initially they took the, the tact of compliance. Okay. So they were ordered out of the vehicle, uh, they, they got out of the vehicle. If you, go, you continue reading the story, it's pretty interesting. There's quite a bit of detail here. Uh, it says they actually, um, removed their guns off of them. How about that? So they're, they're being carjacked. They are removed from the vehicle. Their stuff is removed from them. And by this, all possessions, valuables, their phones, uh, or there's another story too. Actually, I might be mixing a couple of details here, um, but but they're basically. It's it's apparent that the carjackers in this case know that they got guns, like they've they disarm them, and then it says that. This is quoting uh, State Senator Lightford that they separated me and my husband after they got the guns off of us. My husband then told me to run, and I ran reluctantly because I didn't want to leave him there. And it was a scary run because now shots were being fired. I thought for sure they were going to shoot me. So they're disarmed, they're separated, but yet somehow the husband uh, makes a play for the gun and gets into a shootout with these carjackers. Pretty wild, crazy story. Now, I'll say this much. I am thankful that they came out of this in one piece. I am thankful for that. The other interesting twist to all of this is that Senator Lightford is quite anti-gun, at least by platform in the way she votes. We pulled up her voting record. All these links are shared in the show notes of today's episode, by the way. In 2013, she voted against the uh, concealed carry of firearm bill. That would that they attempted to uh, pass that year. If you'll recall, the whole reason the state of, of Illinois has concealed carry the way they do now, uh, and particularly in Cook, like places like Cook County and City of Chicago, is because of a court case, not because of the state permitting it per se. All right, um, Senator Lightfoot has voted in favor of gun control in her entire term as a state senator. Every single thing. You can go pull that up in, in, like I said, in the, uh, her voting record. So just find that interesting because obviously it said they got off of us, our guns. So it seems like she and her husband were carrying guns. Her husband put one of them to use good for him. I don't know why they took the tact that they did, and and allowed themselves to be disarmed. That obviously was a tactical error. But uh the other interesting thing here is that there's clearly a double standard. Concealed carry is good enough for us, not for you, you subjects, you <laughs> anyway. Just an interesting side note. Matthew talked to us about around the same time frame, we had another lawmaker, okay. In this case, a state representative in Phil in uh, uh, Pennsylvania, who also yeah. was carjacked. Yeah,
1: yes. What's going on? <laughs> and so here's the th- so in and this wasn't actually a DGU or defensive gun use justified safe Correct. story as far as the congressman woman in Philadelphia. Um, but the reason why I added it in there was because we're seeing across the country higher levels of, uh, or increased percentage of, of violent crime, especially carjackings and, and very, and, and not just in the middle of the night in some seedy neighborhood, these are broad daylight, you know, not people that are out buying drugs, getting carjacked. Sure. That I'm sure that, you know, that's happening, but these people are just going, you know, about their normal business. Um, and so the, the crazy thing is, is that, um, you know, we understand, and we're preaching to the choir here. That you know, having a firearm uh, gives you the ability—a tool—and to use in certain instances where it might be appropriate to thwart somebody who might want to kill you or injure you severely or somebody else. Right? We we understand that, and. I truly believe, and this is why sometimes in the the anti gun you know um, argument, I really believe that a lot of these lawmakers believe that too. They 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 understand because a lot of them are found to have concealed carry licenses, or their you know their husband or wife has a concealed carry. So it's not that. Certainly, there are some that are totally anti-gun and would never own one go near one but not all of them but they vote against gun you know uh gun rights for other people and this is the this is really the issue and um in, in addition both of these um uh you know represent or, or uh uh lawmakers were also pro defunding police and you know reforming the police and taking them off the, so, so so you see that like the the ideology of this is is broken, and so um, when they're doing something different than what they're telling you to do, that's a red flag for me that uh, these aren't people that I trust. And so I'm glad. I want to go on record. I'm glad both of these women and the, the husband are okay. And it seems like from both of these stories that they have some people in custody um, in both of these instances. That's great. Um, And so, uh, you know, I am glad that they're okay and they're not injured. I hope that this is a moment of reflection and saying, wow, if this could happen to us, imagine, you know, this could happen to somebody else who doesn't have the same connections as us to get a concealed carry license or or whatever it might be. So hopefully, um, you know, through through these strategies, some minds are changing. I don't know. Um, That would be my hope. But it's an it's it was an interesting couple days where two Congress or two uh, lawmakers that are both you know Mm -hmm. anti-gun and you know on the side of reducing or you know uh, defunding police both are victims of violent crime one of them you know their husband has a firearm and and so it's just a a kind of a a strange couple days right there.
0: I was just thinking as we were going through this too that I was reminded I was like wasn't there another uh, state. Uh, uh, or actually might not have been, a, I think she might've actually been a U.S. Senator. Yeah. Yes. U S Senator Barbara Boxer in California was, uh, mugged and assaulted and robbed, uh, earlier th- uh, in 20, you know, I, I was going to say earlier this year, but we're in 2022 now. So was back in July of 2021. That happened in, uh, in Oakland hmm. just a few months ago. Uh, so there's been a bit of a precedent where, uh, lawmakers have been targeted for crime. I mean, whether they've been actually specifically targeted or not, I'm not saying that, but they've been uh, involved in some of these crimes. So now we have a couple of stories. Uh, By the way, we have have another carjacking story coming up later in the episode as well, so stay tuned for that. Uh, That's why today's episode is titled uh, Carjackings Extravaganza. There's just a bunch of them today. Um, And just a little bit of a sidebar, Matthew, um, would you say that as of recently that finding justified save stories or you know new stories that we could use in this episode we do each month has been easier where like there's been more examples of stories than there has in the past absolutely
1: absolutely and the types of stories a lot of the stories you know and cuz we've been doing this for i don't know how many years right and where i'm just pulling stories each month um and sifting through and trying to pick out ones we can learn from and stuff but you know it it if i it seemed to me that recently, or I would say in the last year, maybe two years or so, year and a half, that there are more carjackings and violent assaults outside the home. A lot of the stories I was finding before were home invasion type um, stories, and and it might be that you know news people or you know reporters are finally covering uh, other stories as well. Um, but it used to be and what's interesting is the detail in the stories are, I'm finding a lot more detail. So instead of, you know, man, you know, defends uh, against robber and alley and shoots him police investigating, you know, like three sentences, it's, there's some actual, like we interviewed a neighbor, we saw, you know, video footage of this. And um, so it seems to me that you know, that that there are better, it's better covered um, it, and it's also um, more violent, it seems. Mm-hmm.
0: I know it's an- anecdotal, but it just sure. seems like in, even just in the last few months, it just feels like there's just been so many examples. Like in the last month, like I've come, like I have just have come across stories just in my normal daily business. You know, I didn't go digging for, like some of the stories we're talking about today is just stuff that just came up it was mm-hmm. just like oh wow dang you know like uh, anecdotal but I think we recognize that uh, nationwide by pretty good measure I mean it's noticeable that uh, crime is uh, is worse now than it was a few years ago and it is unfortunate and there's obviously some reasons for it and I'm not going to get all political about this or anything but uh, um, it's just a, a good gut check that hey, we need to be ready and prepared. Maybe more now than ever before, because these are crazy times. I think we're in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not to like make anybody you know fearful, but that's just that's just the reality. We have a couple stories um, actually dealing with uh, uh, dogs. Interestingly enough, uh, one of these is um, uh, out of St. Charles. I think this is uh, somewhere. I don't. I'm not familiar with all the like the. Smaller neighborhoods and communities and stuff, but this one's reported on the Chicago Tribune. So I'm assuming this is a a neighborhood or or a section of town, uh, a suburb or whatever near Chicago. Uh, But uh, two Rottweilers were attacking a jogger in St. Charles, it says. Uh, They are dead. After the dog's owner and a man who intervened tried unsuccessfully to pull the animals off the woman, until the man who has a concealed carry license fatally shot one of the dogs. So, so get this: this, this is uh, this is eye-opening stuff here. Uh, now, you should know that one of the dogs was put down, was euthanized uh, voluntarily by the owner uh, of the second dog, the dog that was not shot by the Good Samaritan in this case. Uh, but you had a woman that was jogging through this, this neighborhood, if you will, uh, 51 year old woman, she's jogging in the area. And then these two Rottweilers, uh, suddenly attacked her. Uh, one had her by the leg, it says, and the other had her by the scalp. Doctors get this. Doctors had to use six feet worth of sutures to repair her body. That's crazy. That is super crazy. That's a lot of stitches. It's a lot of stitches. Uh, It says here, a Labradoodle made it past an electric fence and ran from its yard uh, to where the woman was jogging to greet her in the street. The jogger and the homeowner were acquaintances and friendly with one another. So the woman stopped running, grabbed the Labradoodle by its collar and helped it back to its owner, who had been standing in the driveway watching the exchange. That's when the two Rottweilers came bounding out of that home and started to attack the jogger. Something about the woman holding the dog by its collar and coming up their driveway was seen as some kind of aggression by these Rottweilers, and they acted protectively. Um, they think this, is according to uh, I think this was the law enforcement representative. The homeowner was trying to pull the dogs off to the jogger, uh, but he didn't have any way, any other means of protecting this woman. But it just happens to be that a concealed carrier was driving by, and they saw this and got out of the vehicle to try to help. And when they couldn't pull the dogs off, he grabbed his gun and shot the one dog at point blank range. Uh, He had to take appropriate action to save her life. And I believe he did. Again, quoting from, I I was trying to remember, this was the Kane County Sheriff. So this is actually the sheriff for that county. So he's saying that, you know, they did good. They did what they had to do. They did the right thing here. Now that shot killed the one dog. And apparently it was enough to get the other dog to also break off its attack. And as was mentioned, that the homeowner then voluntarily had the other dog put down, which is unfortunate. But, uh, you know, like nobody likes to see the loss of life. Uh, A lot of dog lovers, animal lovers out there, including listen to the podcast. um, It doesn't seem that, uh, that, you know, the... the, from you know, reading I'm not gonna go into too much detail here, but from what I could tell reading the article, I mean, that the homeowner is this was unexpected for them. Um it wasn't thought that these were known so-called attack dogs. Just for some reason they did they went on the attack and it got out of hand right quick. I mean, six feet of sutures to patch this woman together. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the there there was one interesting um comment in the article and it talked about when the concealed carrier arrived on the scene and he was trying to pull the dogs apart uh or off this woman it says uh but the man didn't have the gun with him so he called his father who was maybe a block away and asked him to get his gun and bring it to him which he did i believe he put it in his car and the man retrieved it so i don't know if The concealed carrier left the gun, you know, bolted out of his car away from his car and his firearm was in his car and he left it there. Or if it was maybe back home and his dad, you know, hey, grab it off my, you know, out of my safe or whatever and bring it. And he brought it that way. But um, it appears as though that he didn't have the gun initially on him and that he had to make a call for someone to bring the gun because he's now, you know, in an active fight with these dogs or trying to, you know, pull him off this woman. But um you know, it's crazy. And I, I think it, it, so this, if you, uh, you know, we put the show notes uh, there so you guys can actually go and, you know, don't just take our word for it, go read some of these stories because there's much more detail in, uh, he explains, you know, um, uh, you know, why he had to take basically almost like a contact shot and and shoot how he shot the dog because, uh, you know, he didn't have much, uh, you know, he had to, taking consideration uh where this round would go if it passed through the dog uh since they're mauling this woman Mm -hmm. Uh, but he shoots one dog and the other ones the other one runs away um but uh crazy scene and uh you know one of the one of the comments uh on facebook i think uh uh Lar parader, uh, lar parader. He says, uh, you know, he carries uh, uh, OC spray or or mace for for dogs, Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I know, you know, many companies that you know deliver packages and stuff, uh, postmen and stuff that can't carry because of you know they're they're not allowed to by uh, their employer um, carry you know some sort of deterrent for dogs. Um, I, I don't know if it would have worked in this case. Certainly it could have been attempted to, to be used, but I, I'm, I've seen dogs get, you know, ferociously, uh, you know, instinctually attacking something. And to me, I, I never thought that OC spray was going to be the thing it might stop a dog that's just kind of showing some aggression, but once they get their teeth into that, I, it's, I, I think that that instinctual. Mind kicks over, and there, you, you're not going to get them, you know. Uh, but you know, it certainly couldn't hurt if that's all you had.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, then you have the the challenges of dealing with uh, secondary exposure, you know, including the woman who's already in misery, and if you're yeah. dowsing the dog, there's a good chance she's going to get exposed as well, uh, which probably isn't going to you know help either. Um, the, the, but the idea of shooting too, uh dogs attacking someone, in a situation like this, also very ch- those were very challenging shots to make. Yeah. Uh, so you know you got to be confident in your skills and your ability, confident in that shot, confident you're not going to hurt anybody else in the vicinity. I mean, there was that incident, I think last earlier last year, where a mother shot accidentally her son uh, trying to defend against i think a dog or something or something I'm trying to remember the exact detail Do you remember that one yeah uh but she ended up striking miss, her her son yeah I, she missed, missed her the, target
1: yeah missed and hit the hit the street or the concrete and it kind of uh, yeah. deflected and yeah
0: yeah anyway another story uh was um in wisconsin and uh this one my goodness matthew um it's it's kind of hard to read actually. Uh, I don't even know where you pulled this one out from, buddy. But uh, again, this this was not a uh, uh, well. I mean, there was a pistol that was involved, but it came kind of after the fact. Um, but uh, this is in Wisconsin, and basically, a, f- a four year old boy was attacked by the family's dog. Um, He had fallen down some stairs or something in the home. Nobody knows exactly why the dog attacked him. Somebody, somebody thought that he may have been startled by, you know, the dog was startled by the fact that this child fell. Maybe there was a loud noise and and then screaming or crying from the child. And then for some reason, the dog started attacking the child. The mother uh, stepped in to protect her child. And then the dog turned on her and attacked her. Here's what's crazy is, uh, the husband comes home and finds her in the bathroom and finds the uh, dog attacking her. She is bloodied up bad. Uh, And here's the language that she used, which was just shocking to me. Uh, She told her husband, I have no arms and I'm dying. And when I first read that, I was like, she has no arms. Like she's been attacked so bad that you know, everything is just chewed up and, and, you know, it's so, you know, like just so much pain and blood and whatever, like <laughs> turns out um, they were going to have to, or they did actually amputate her, her arms. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly where that part of the story was. Yeah. Yeah. She, 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 uh, she did, she made it to the hospital. Okay. She went through some medical procedures. Both her arms were amputated because of this dog attack. She later did still die from her injuries, uh, which ultimately was kidney failure. Absolutely insane. The son, the four-year-old that was attacked, he was uh, attacked on his leg. He required 70 stitches in his leg to sew him up. Absolutely insane. The father was able to break off the attack of the dog. He took the dog outside and grabbed his pistol and shot and killed it Mm -hmm. uh, right then and there um absolutely terrible terrible story and not, again not direct like we we only include this as a just kind of a, a noteworthy story that sort of goes along with that last one to some degree um you'll find the details in the show notes and all the links to the stories the show notes of the of the, of the podcast once it's published
1: yeah i i put this in there and uh because you know w- even the person, you know, the, the husband who grabs the dog, he was also bitten, uh, who end up shooting the dog. But I, I, I think that this isn't, it, it is an its a kind of a, there, there's an instinctual thing. I think sometimes to say, oh, well, unless you've seen violent dogs or, you know, you have some sort of phobia against dogs, like, oh, you know, like I've seen dogs, like nip at people and, you know, this and that, but, especially in packs, like, you know, you see the other two working together, but dogs, uh, I, I, you know, they can kill people. And to, to take a four-year-old and need 70 stitches to suture this, that's not, I mean, this four-year-old probably doesn't have a lot of, you know, flesh to stitch together, right? They're a small little package and 70 stitches. And then to yeah. maul a woman, to the point where both of her arms need to be amputated and she dies. Um, that is horrific. And um, so, by the way, know, it's
0: noteworthy to, to just mention that the dog, it said in the article is 30 pounds heavier than the woman.
1: Yeah. It's That's a big, big dog. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. And, and not to say like, Hey, anytime a dog, you know, snips at you or barks at you, you have the right to shoot them, but this should be something that we at least keep in the back of our mind. if, You know, we are attacked by a a, a dog or we see somebody attacked by a dog that you, 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 you know, there is a potential depending, you know, if we have a little chihuahua, you know, every context is important. I'm not saying go out and shoot dogs indiscriminately. I'm just saying dogs, uh, if, if, if it seems like this dog is mauling somebody to death, it very well could you know, maul them to death, not, not figuratively, but literally. So, um, just something we have to be aware of. We talk about defending ourselves against human beings, but sometimes in, uh, it might be a dog on a run, you know, you're on a run or, you know, some dog breaks out or, you know, we even had a, not, not related to this, but a, a bear story that you shared with me. Um, so animals can also be, uh, be quite a, uh, a handful to, to, to take on. So.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, I, I, everything you said is absolutely right. Uh, context is important, right? So understanding the context of the situation, um, a, a chihuahua attacking a full-grown you know, adult, probably not as much of a concern as a dog that's the same size or same weight or heavier than a person. Uh, a dog against a child. I mean, that's obviously a, a a pretty big mismatch in a lot of cases as well. Um, I'm reminded of that uh, boy that, uh, I think it was in Wyoming, that stepped in and saved his sister from mm-hmm. a vicious attack, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, and he's all scarred up in his face and stuff, you know, from, uh, he was like six or, like six years old or something, you know, saving, trying to save his three-year-old sister, and you know, just... Uh, Yeah. This is a podcast where we we discuss the concept of using deadly force in defense of life. And that can come in a variety of packages. And every package is unique and the context is unique and different. And we got to use appropriate levels of force based on that context that gives us legal justification to use that level of force super, super important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know we're kind of running on, uh, short on time, but I'll just share a real quick personal experience I had with a s- situation like this. I had, uh, our neighbors had three big um, Mastiff type dogs, our old neighbors. And um, our dog uh, was right on the property line with my my daughter and my, my wife outside. I w- happened to be inside and our dog saw their dogs and start, We, you know, starts going over there to see them. And these dogs were raised on a farm and we used to killing, you know, rabbits and things like that. And just mauled my, you know, our dog in front of my wife and child. And I just, you know, our neighbors came running because of the screams from my, my wife and, and my, my daughter. And uh, uh, you know, it, by the time I got out there, they had pulled, called the dogs away and, and my, my family was safe, but in, you know, in my mind, I still say, you know, what would I have done? You know, I, I, I ran out, I didn't have my firearm with me. Uh, I, I happen to be, um, I think getting ready to do a podcast or doing something on the computer, uh, preparing for something and, uh, just, you know, heard some screaming and ran outside and, um, you know, it, it, you know, the the question was, you know, would you have shot the dog? And I said, it was, if it was attacking my dog, no, right? As sad as it is. Um, but I had my daughter and my wife like mere feet from it. And so if they had turned from mauling my ripping my dog apart to my family, it would have been, you know, um, just something to think about, you know, you never know when this, this situation is going to happen and, and and how and and you have to kind of at least have something in the back of your mind. you know, it's, you know, that's a possibility, right? So, yeah.
0: Yep. Good thoughts, man. And we promised we would talk about another carjacking story. So Matthew, uh, tell us about this. Lift driver shoots two men during carjacking in West Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, this happened in Philadelphia. 38 year old lift driver shot two men. Uh, Basically what happens, this is uh, about 2.30 p.m uh 1100 block of North 40th Street uh West Philadelphia um and lift driver's driving a vehicle bumps rear ends him uh he continues driving rear ends him again uh then he finally stops the, the lift driver stops exits his vehicle and that's when he was approached by a man um with a shotgun uh demanding you know to to give him the vehicle um, as the, uh, uh, driver, uh, or as the, um, one of the suspects with the, with the shotgun takes the vehicle, uh, the Lyft driver who has a concealed handgun on him draws, shoots him. Um, he also shoots the driver and the other vehicle. Um, and later on, both of the, uh, vehicles and the men were were found by police. Uh, one of them, I believe, is in critical condition. Uh, the other one, I think big, they're both, yeah, both end up in critical condition. So they, you know, they couldn't continue to drive. Um, so they recover both the vehicles, both people uh, in the hospital. But this is one of those stories. And I know, you know, I'll, I'll pass this over to you because I know this is like red meat, right? Like we talk about this all the time, like uh, people, uh, you know, using the, the bump, to get you to pull over, um, especially twice in a row. You know, that's not an accident, continue to drive, but uh, using this technique to get you out of the vehicle and why it's so important to have the firearm on you as opposed to in some sort of holster in the car or something like that. Um, because in the heat of the moment, somebody bumps you, you're not thinking you get out of the vehicle. Hey, you know, you, you accidentally rear to a Are you okay? Um, and you leave that firearm in there. Now, you know, not only can you not defend yourself, but uh, they have your firearm. So I'll, you know, I'll just kind of give that over to you and you can kind of dig into that.
0: Th- this is the most text textbook case of a carjacking as I can think of where uh, someone used justified force against, you know, in defense Uh, textbook. Not. I'm not saying that the driver made all perfect decisions either, right? Like stopping and getting out immediately after the uh, contact between the two vehicles, maybe not the smartest uh, move and that kind of thing. Right. But, but textbook in that the way this, this went down, you're right. We have talked about this, that it is not unheard of, that it is a tactic where someone, uh, will, will cause a minor fender bender with you, uh, to uh, initiate contact for that, for that carjacking to take place. Uh, sometimes, I mean, a lot like the reason for this is so they can then, you know, they're, they're basically car hopping, right? Uh, it just, it's, it's just an attempt to put themselves, these car thieves between, you know, put more, uh, more steps uh, and more time between them and the authorities that are trying to catch up with them. You know, typically the authorities are going to know that a certain vehicle is stolen there'll be out there looking for it. And well, if I can steal this car and then steal another car and steal another car, you know, like, you know, it's just putting more steps between them and law enforcement in a lot of cases. Uh, so minor fender bender bump. All right. Stick them up. You know, we're taking your car kind of thing. And uh, that's the way this one was attempted to, uh, to be done. And as you said, all of the points you made, the fact this driver was armed on his person and he did in fact exit. But then when he realized what was going down, he laid down the fire. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so got to give him some mad props and kudos for that. Because I mean, it was very apparent, as you said, that one of these guys was armed with a shotgun, uh, that's not a fight I want to pick. I don't want to be that guy that has to use his handgun against a dude with a shotgun because that's, that's a bit of an imbalance, right? It's like taking a knife to a gunfight or a, gun, a handgun to a rifle fight. In this case, it was a handgun to a shotgun fight, but the guy felt like he that's what he needed to do, and he did so successfully. Bravo. Kudos to you, sir. You know what, if he happens to listen to this podcast, I'd love to hear from him personally. So re- hit me up. I'd love to talk to you. We don't know the uh, identity of this man. Uh, the thing I thought was interesting, Matthew, and we know that typically with these Lyft and Uber drivers that they have the policy where their drivers shouldn't care, you know, shouldn't have guns with them mm-hmm. and weapons and things, which is just insane to me, since typically the drivers own their vehicles and themselves and and by golly, like it's not unheard of that Lyft and Uber drivers get attacked, assaulted, robbed, carjacked, etc. But whatever. What I found interesting about their statement, though, was they said this. Safety is fundamental to Lyft. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> and the incident described is deeply troubling. I'd like to hear more about that. Which part of it is troubling for you guys? The fact that the driver was armed and defended himself or the fact that he was carjacked in the first place. We have been in touch with both the rider and driver to offer our, because don't forget, there was somebody in this lift vehicle, a passenger, to offer our support and have reached out to law enforcement to offer our assistance. That's a very uh, feel-good statement that they released Yeah, that I'm sure is... uh, masking all sorts of things that are occurring behind the scenes.
1: Well, he'll probably get fired. Right. And their, exactly. we- their weapons policy, uh, I'll just give you a little, the one statement that's kind of important. Um, it says, um, uh, where's it? Uh, it says, We approach this talking about no weapons policy for all its properties and the drivers. It says, uh, we ask that you don't carry a firearm, even if you're allowed to legally. It says, we approach this from a community perspective. It's hard to know what someone else is or is uncomfortable with. The mere presence of a weapon might make another community member distressed and fear for his his or her own personal safety.
0: <laughs> so it's I'll like, tell you what, the passenger that lift passenger is thankful that his driver was carrying a gun because he was about to get carjacked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they were about to take off with that car with
1: him in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Liz.
0: So, the other comment I have to that is it's a community thing. We just don't want passengers to be offended or scared when they see their drivers carrying. Well, um, concealed is concealed, right? <laughs> right. I <don't> know. <sighs> oh man. Okay. Moving on. We got a couple more stories. We're going to get, we're going to push through these, assuming that you're still good, Matthew.
1: Sure. Let's do it.
0: 16 year old boy was shot and killed at Tacoma, Tacoma trail park Tuesday after a group of people, including the teen shot and robbed another person, according to Tampa police department happened at 4 PM Tuesday. This was uh, a week. It was last week. Uh, so a, little, a, week, a week and a day ago, um, it was in a park and a 32 year old man was just doing his thing. He's approached by a group of, we'll call them kids. I don't know about the identities or ages of the other, uh, the, uh, the other youth, but uh, the 16 year old was the one that got shot by the 32 year old man who was defending himself and, Here's the key is that they robbed and shot him. And then he fired his weapon in response. And as a part of that, he struck the 16-year-old boy who, of course, as we mentioned, suffered uh, or, or died from his injuries. Uh, the 32-year-old man had a valid concealed weapons permit and legally owned his gun. Textbook mugging defense case. Bravo to you, sir. I mean, I'm sad. A 16-year-old boy has lost his life. Uh, but, uh, it, it's, they, they, were doing some bad, bad things. And unfortunately that's the way it goes sometimes.
1: Yeah. Um, one quick little thing I'll add is in this one, it says, uh, the 30, the 32 year old, the victim was found in an, uh, the, the. Victim who was robbed, not the person who died, who was the criminal. The 32-year-old was found in another unspecified location uh, because him and the other ones who were robbing him fled the scene before the police arrived. So this is one of those things like, you know, if you don't feel safe in the area, you've just been robbed in 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 a park and there's you know, people You like get to a position, a place of safety, right? Like, even if you have to leave the scene, make sure you call the police and be the one that calls the police. Hey, I was just robbed. I, I had to shoot somebody, you know, in self-defense, but, um, you know, so you're not, um, you know, leaving this out there where people are saying, Hey, some guy shot this guy, this kid and ran off into the woods. Right. Like um, so um, this is normally it doesn't have something where somebody flees this or leaves the scene, maybe in a carjacking yeah. or a, uh, you know, road rage type thing. But, you know, if, if you need to for your, for your own safety, you know. Um,
0: yep. And contact authorities as soon as you safely can do so. Because mm-hmm. that's going to be super important. In, in instances like this, where we've seen some things go somewhat sideways uh, with respect to a crime being committed and a person defending themselves and then leaving the scene, it's sometimes because they fail to contact authorities um, soon enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, when, when is that? It's as soon as soon as you can that it's safe to do so. All right. What you don't want to have happen is is where the attacker, the criminal, somehow is the one that contacts authorities first mm-hmm. and tries to paint the picture that they were the victim. That's mm-hmm. where you get yourself in trouble. So mm-hmm. don't don't delay um, as you know any longer than you absolutely have to from a safety perspective. Matthew, uh, talk to us real quick about this naked intruder shot to death after assaulting elderly couple in their
1: home. Yeah, this was uh, this is a sad one. So um, naked man, um, this is in the morning, I believe, I can't, December 22nd. So maybe on the 20, 21st, uh, this happened. Uh, basically, a uh, 54-year-old man acting erratically, Break, you know, smashing, you know, cars, uh, in, in the neighborhood, somebody calls the police, uh, as they're responding, um, he breaks into the home of a couple that is in their seventies, upper seventies, mm-hmm. um, breaks into their home, happens to only be wearing a t-shirt or a shirt, um, and nothing else. So, you know, the guy's probably not, you know, uh, operating, uh, coherently, um, he assaults both of the the members. Uh, this husband and wife in their seventies assaults them. Uh, as he's assaulting the husband, uh, the husband says, "Hey, to his wife, get the get the gun." Um, she goes to get the gun, which is apparently in a bedroom or another room. The this uh, half naked guy uh, continues and starts assaulting the the wife, um, violently assaulting her. She's able to get the gun, give it to the husband who ends up shooting this, uh, this crazy lunatic and, um, he ends up dying on scene. The sad thing is, is she's actually hurt so bad that they have to airlift her to the hospital and yeah. the husband is injured and he ends up you know, taking the ambulance, uh, to the hospital. Um, there's no update on her injuries, but
0: still in critical condition. Yeah. So, um,
1: this was a violent, Mm -hmm. violent, crazed assault. And these are those assaults that we're talking about where, you know, you're not going to just rack a shotgun and they're going to hear it and run away, right? You're not going to, um, scare them. Hey buddy, I got a gun and they're going to run away or, you know, a flesh wound to the arm is going, these are people that are crazed. And, and this was a violent assault on two yeah. elderly people that it, it was tragic, but hopefully the, the, they both, um, uh, are okay. Yep. Yep. Agreed.
0: Uh, good analysis. Uh, final story. All right. We've got a little bit long today, but I hope you guys will forgive us and I hope <laughs> you've appreciated, uh, the, in the stories we've shared with you now, by the way, we haven't shared everything with you because again, we usually have to whittle these things down. Uh, there's a couple of extra stories and links that'll be in the show notes of the published podcast episode, uh, so you can see those, um, uh, in the show notes. This final story is out of Polk County, Florida, Lakeland, Florida, been there a couple of times, in fact. Uh, detectives with Polk County Sheriff's Office responded to a shooting of a man who said they who they said broke into a lakeland home Tuesday afternoon the suspect was a 42 year old man he forced his way into the residence by throwing a flower pot through a glass door this happened around 12 50 p.m it's just afternoon uh, deputy said Stillwell was shot oh this is the, that's the suspect's name was shot three times by the homeowner He was taken to the hospital where he was last reported in critical, stable condition. They did also find a shotgun belonging to the perpetrator in the backyard of the home, as well as they had video evidence showing him approaching the home through the backyard. Uh, The sheriff said that the evidence in the case indicated that He illegally entered the home and the homeowner did the right thing by shooting him. The castle doctrine is very clear in Florida law. A person's home is his refuge. The homeowner did exactly what he had a right to do. I commend him for protecting himself and defending his home. We have a very violent breaking and entering into the home, throwing a flower pot through the door, through the window. Man's armed with a shotgun. So here we have a second story in today's episode where a shotgun is involved used by the perpetrator of a crime, and the good guy here uh, defends themselves. Uh, actually didn't say, I think, whether he used a pistol or not, but uh, the man was shot by thro- shot three times yeah. by the homeowner. So bravo to you, whoever you are, for doing what you had to do to defend yourself that day. What a scary incident here. Yeah, got a bunch of them today yeah uh so we hope that you all are, are made uh smarter and wiser and hopefully inspired to do whatever you gotta do to prepare yourself uh to be better stronger faster more accurate whatever it is so that you can prevail if you happen to be involved in a in a deadly force incident all mm-hmm. right That's why we share these stories. We think that they are enlightening, that there's lessons to be learned, things to be considered, questions to be asked, mostly questions to be asked of ourselves. Am I doing what I need to do to prepare myself? That's
1: the way I look at it. Agreed.
0: Folks, thanks for listening to another episode here. This first episode of season five, Uh, we are now going to announce our weekly podcast giveaway winner. Today, we're giving away a Ready Up Gear ear clip. This is a belt clip where you can stash or stow your over the ear ear protection on this clip. I use one every time I go to the range, uh, teach a class, whatever. They're, they're, it's a great product to have. I I used to stick my ear pro on my head, stick it on my leg. On the head, I'd kind of pinch my head and get tiring after a while. On the leg, it, whatever reason, just seems to always slip down to my ankle, and I don't like that. So, Hey, use the ready up gear uh, I think we just call it the the ear clip which kind of doesn't make sense because you're not clipping your ears to it but you're, <laughs> yeah it, it, it's the uh, you know it's it's the shorthand we, we often refer to you know eyes and ears get your eye get your get your your eyes and your ears on you know refer, it's just shorthand for you know get your ear pro on get your eye pro on kind of thing
1: so who's our lucky winner of a ready up gear ear clip the winner is Philip h. You are the winner. So check your email. We'll be sending you an email. I know somebody by the name of
0: Philip H. I hope it's my friend. Maybe Maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, Now, next week, we are giving away a palm pepper spray unit. Uh, As long as it's legal for us to ship it to you. I think there's only like one or two jurisdictions where that's really an issue. But uh, uh, guys, sign up for the weekly giveaway at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Uh, for your chance, and it's a good chance to be a lucky winner of a palm pepper spray unit, might be helpful and useful in some of the situations like what we've discussed today against animals, dogs, against people in situations where maybe it's not quite time to go to the gun just yet. So You know, this is that bridge between a harsh word and a gun. So, and... Hey, guys, we'll, we will have Chuck Haggard back at the 2022 Guardian Conference in September later this year, and he'll be doing at least another one of his uh, of his uh, pepper spray uh, courses. So look forward to that. All right? It's good to have that training to go along with the product as well. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to a conclusion of another episode. Again, our sponsors today is uh, CCW Safe. I guess you could say Concealed Carry Weapons Safe. CCW safe, CCW safe.com. And don't, don't forget to use the coupon code to save, including if you are a guardian nation member, I want you to get max savings. You can, uh, you're going to save one fifth of the cost of CCW safe membership. If you're a guardian nation member. And again, barrel block, barrel block with a K.com to pick up, uh, you can grab a barrel block for all the different pistol calibers, most of them anyway. We don't have them all, but we have most of the main popular ones. Pick up up a barrel block today to make sure that you are doing dry fire practice in in the safest manner possible so we don't have accidents. All right. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.